Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Great Iron Blitz, episode 304 in the house, and we are officially on Spotify today. Uh, totally excited. Uh, you can tune us in on TuneIn, Google Cast, Player FM, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, the largest platform in podcasts, as well as always on Block Talk Radio. Awesome news this week. Totally stoked. Uh, we are going to be uh, elevated to another level of listenership to bring awareness to women's American football and we cannot be so much proud. Um, thanks to our network partners, uh, as I mentioned before on my uh, Facebook post um, for them for con- contributing to bringing awareness, uh, you know, via video, via uh, articles and uh, everything that they do for us to help us grow uh, and bring awareness to the sport. So um, if you want to go to the hub at facebook.com forward slash grand beauties, that's where you get all the lowdown, weekly, daily updates, and anything that's happening uh, in the women's game. It's right there at the hub at facebook.com forward slash gridiron beauties. Today we have the crew back. So we have uh, WNFC, Utah Falcons, and Hall of Famer of 2018 Hall of Famer, Holly Custis in the house. And later we will have the salty one back in the house in an hour. And today, on top of all that, we are going to be talking college football, uh, NFL playoffs, and women's news and notes in the second hour. And before that, we got Steph Mack, Steph McCormick in the house. We're going to be talking Legends Football League to X League, uh, all the mud from LFL, and now what we need to expect for X League at this point. And She's got a new podcast coming up, Say With Your Chest podcast. We'll be launching in February. So totally stoked to talk to Stephanie McCormick in about 10 minutes here. So in the meantime, we got the Hall of Famer here, Holly Custis, in the house. And we're going to be talking Niners, Holly, of all things Niners. But before we do that, uh, hats off to Joe Burrow and LSU as they knock off Clemson. This uh, there was an awesome game. <laughs> Yeah, it was a, it was a great game. Uh, I think Clemson uh, surprised LSU, especially in that first quarter, uh, with uh, how they were playing Burrow um, and the scheme that they brought out to try to confuse him. Seemed to work for about a quarter, um, and then I think uh, you know halfway through the second into the third quarter, the wheels just kind of fell off. And uh, you know, as great of a season that Burrow has had, which is been, uh, you know, production-wise, probably the best one that we've seen from a college quarterback. You know, you have to also give credit for those receivers. Um, oh, yeah. You know, Chase from LSU 
was basically a grown man running around uh, on the field with, it, he made the, the fenders look like high school kids. Um, mm-hmm. He had a really great game. And the separation that the receivers were able to get, it was basically Burrow dropping back, and it was like backyard football. You know, a lot of back shoulder fades uh, into the back of the end zone, uh, just 50-50 type balls to say, hey, my uh, receiver is better than, than your people. And and so I think at some point, Clemson, uh, you know, kind of felt the pressure in the second going into the third, and they just didn't have enough. Um, but uh, I think it's just it, – you could feel it going into the game, but it was LSU's year. Um, you know, and so what we'll see is going forward – into next year, are they going to be able to replace Burrow? Do they just catch lightning in a bottle, or is this the, the new LSU that we should expect the next few years? So, uh, overall, overall, I thought it was a really good game, especially the first half. Uh, it was exciting, and uh, I thought it was it was awesome. Now, Holly, I mean, a lot of records uh, on this this final game. You know, a lot of records for Burrow in, in general, and to cap it off with a big win, you win the Heisman. Uh, and then you got to go to you got to go to Cincinnati. Apparently, that's what we hear. That's gonna be a bummer, technically. But anyways, the high note is he won the national championship <laughs> or Cleveland. All right, gonna get trade up and then <laughs> could probably end up in Cleveland. He's from Ohio anyway, so. But no, I'm that was just a bud joke for everybody. <laughs> oh, now he gets to go to Cincinnati. Um, but you know he played a great game and a lot of records uh, he put up in the in the final there. So. He's going to remember for a long, long time. Oh yeah, I, I think I think the interesting thing about his story is that he seemed to come out of nowhere. You know, like when you're mm-hmm. when you're looking at him compared to Trevor Lawrence, right? Trevor Lawrence, mm-hmm. for since maybe like middle of middle school, has been that guy. And I still think Trevor Lawrence is actually probably a better quarterback long-term. But I think Joe Burrow, I think the interesting thing about him is he goes to Ohio State. He doesn't really get the shot he he wants. So he transfers to LSU. The first season's a bit rocky. Um, I think it's a combination of, uh, you know, the, the new philosophy they had offensively. Uh, they had uh, the coach uh, named Brady that was working with him a bit. And I think the biggest difference between last year and this year you could see was basically his confidence. It seemed to me like with this offense that he worked so hard kind of in a a Peyton Manning way that he knew the offense inside and out. He knew exactly where his receivers would be and the connection between him and his receivers it's obvious that they worked at it, right? So the the interesting thing is going to be, can he translate that into the NFL when all the players are fast and strong? And you don't normally have that big of an advantage like he has with the receivers um, currently. So we'll see if he can translate that over. But I do think people connect with that story because he was that guy that wasn't supposed to be here. And he worked his way uh, – into this season, and he deserves all the accolades for sure. All right. Um, I guess it was a a good and a bad since the Saints lost, LSU won. So I guess Louisiana fans basically get some sort of a 
nice gift, I guess, if you think about it, with the Saints not going too deep in the playoffs as we thought they would do. So this is, a, I guess, a I, consolation. I guess it's about a wash. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but, you know, it was a great performance. Um, I think both of LSU's uh, BCS titles came in the Superdome, so sort of, you know, a historic thing, I guess, in a way where it's they, they win there. I guess they love winning at home, I guess, in their home state. So it just panned out that way, I guess. Uh, and then Clemson, you can't give, can't take anything away from them. I mean, they they had a good run. Uh, I think they snapped their 29-game winning streak or something like that. So they've had a good run, too, mm-hmm. with a good program. So um, I think everybody expected, you know, Alabama at the time, remember when they dropped, they dropped out, it was the same feeling that all NFL fans went when the when the Patriots got dropped out. It was like, yeah, right. nope, no Alabama, <laughs> no Patriots. <laughs> Everybody was just stoked because of that. Oh, yeah, um, I think – oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. I was just going to say, yeah, I think you're absolutely right. But the interesting thing is, is I feel like Clemson's becoming that new Alabama and that they've been in, I don't know, like three or four um, championship games in the last, like, I think it's like three or four years straight. And they're probably going to be right back up in uh, the discussion next year because Trevor comes back. Uh, I think their receiver Ross comes back. Um, and they also are playing in a conference that was really down this year. So unless that ha- changes overnight, Clemson's probably going to be right back where they are. And and so I think almost you can feel the shift. Um, and I don't think Alabama is done I just think Clemson is now that team that is there every year. Um, so we'll we'll see what happens. All right. So, guys, uh, totally excited this week. So, Holly, uh, we're, you're now on Spotify, on iHeart, and Apple, the three biggest platforms and listenership. So really excited this week to get the notice from them that we've been, um, you know, accepted to be on there. So everybody can go subscribe on any platform that you want to subscribe on, tune in, Google, Player FM, Apple, Heart, iHeart, Spotify. Uh, just look for Gridiron Beauties, Blitz Radio, our Blitz podcast, and you'll find it on there. So uh, pretty big deal, Holly, uh, in terms of our listenership. I know we had reach uh, via the Block Talk um, me- metrics, but now it, this is huge, and it's huge because now we're bringing attention more to the women's uh, American football, not just in the States, but in, in a global sense as well. Oh yeah, I think I think it's great. I mean, um, the more outreach that we can get, the better, um, so that more people are informed about uh, our sport uh, and what's going on in it, and they are exposed more to the awesome athletes that exist in our sport. So I think it's awesome. I'm excited. All right, um, we had a. Uh, announcement uh the wfa schedule came out 2020 so we'll dive into it next week and the week after because it's kind of a big breakdown because we got to do division one division two and division three but some moves came up so holly we got slam back into or slam into division one minnesota into division one uh kind of leaves cali war out in the pacific by themselves so you know i uh, if you look at the schedule, you're like, okay, they get an automatic playoff because who they play is probably tier two, tier three at this point, unless somebody upsets them completely. Um, so there's a lot of changes in the WFA schedule that we're going to kind of dive in. But in general, um, only eight teams in D1 
at this point, 16 in D2, and then almost 37 in D3. So a lot to talk about in terms of the uh, schedule for uh, for this coming up in April. Yeah, I think it's uh, really interesting. Um, I don't know if they were, they were listening to me previously. So they, they took, like, part of what I was thinking they should do and that they have moved a couple of teams up from Division Two into Division One, and some from Division Three up into Division Two. Um, so that definitely helps a bit. Uh, but I, I think the interesting thing about that is to see, uh, come playoff time, what kind of matchups that creates. Um, you might see teams that don't normally play each other. Um, uh, and so I think that's really exciting. So I'm excited to kind of <clears throat> dive in and, and break that down. Well, it's going to be awesome because Boston uh, gets some of these teams to play in season, even if it's for one game. I know St. Louis is going to Boston. Um, and then, so it's pretty cool that you get to see the Renegades go up against these T, uh, D2 powerhouses, basically. So that's going to be an expectation. And on top of that, Passion back to D1, uh, DC Divas, and you got the uh, Boston, which is the East Coast Wing. So it's going to be an interesting season to see, you know, who takes down the champs and who's able to take down the champs at this point. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think that, like, when you have those games uh, – between teams that you know maybe that were dominant in Division Two and that are now moving up, I think that's good for everybody. It's good for the uh, teams that have been in Division One to play different people. Um, it's good for the people that are coming up into the division uh, to really challenge themselves because that's the only way that you get better um, as an organization and as individual players is to continue to go out and, and seek and find the the, the best teams out there so i'm excited to see um what happens all right so before we bring in um steph mack here um d2 additions the anarchy all right uh sin trojans nevada is the and then the return of the sirens but uh nevada and sin sin trojans proved their might in uh, last year and now uh the anarchy is division two so We'll see how that you know that turns out at this point, but um, what what an upgrade there for for um, for them. Yeah, I think uh, I think it's about time for the Anarchy. I mean, they have been a, a smaller team, but they've proven uh, not only that they're really talented, but that they have a structure in place to win long term. Same thing with Nevada. I'm really excited to see uh, Sacramento back because. Way back in the day when I first started playing in Little Corvallis, Oregon, uh, Sacramento was the team to beat on the West Coast. They were really, really good for a long time. So I'm excited that they're coming back. I'm excited to see how they rebuild that team and uh, see what they're able to do too. All right, guys. I want to go uh, to the shop at Zazzle.com. Zazzle has been our sponsor for almost six years. They've supported us uh, in terms of, you know, the platform. And uh, so if you go to Zazzle, you get up to 20% off, sometimes up to 40% off on certain items. You can also shop uh, beyond our shop. You can also shop for Marvel, Disney, and every other uh, cool name brands as well. And if you subscribe to Zazzle Black for about $10, you get free shipping for 12 months. So it's a great deal if you shop at Zazzle.com. And you can go to our shop at Zazzle.com forward slash Gridiron Beauties. That's the no-joke football shop. And you can save up to 20% off. You can check out all the cool stuff, uh, all, even the stuff that Ellie Mazzola is sporting for us. 
uh, on the uh, facebook.com forward slash no joke football page. So check it out, uh, zazzle.com forward slash create iron beauties. All right, let's bring in uh, and let's go into the no joke football huddle, of course, sponsored by zazzle.com. And we're going to talk to uh, Stephanie McCormick on everything that's going on in the LFL, the rebranding, the mud, and her new podcast that she's going to be uh, debuting in February. So let's bring her on. Steph? Hey, how's it going, y'all? Steph, Hello. really good. How you doing? You're on with uh, myself and Holly Custis, Hall of Famer. Hey, Holly. How's it going? Good. How are you? I'm doing pretty well. Busy, but good. So, uh, Steph, I wanted to bring you on uh, because apparently you're branching out into our realm. And um, uh, I want to just say, how did Say With Your Chest, how did that come up with? Oh, um, this is actually one of my um, favorite stories about the podcast. So I have been toying around with a, a lot of different names. And um, I don't. I, it, just, it crossed my mind. Um, I think I was actually messing with my dog and when he was just a little puppy. And he was trying to bark. And I was like, come on, say with your chest. And we've all kind of heard that from Kevin Hart's stand-up, that that's, you know, what his mm-hmm. crazy uncle from jail um, came out and said. And now we all kind of say it in our culture and society. And it means, you know, say it with conviction. Say what you mean. Say it with passion and mean what you say and say what you mean. And the more I thought about it, I was just thinking, you know, that's exactly the kind of message that I want women to know when they come on my show is that there is no filter, that there is no agenda, that there is no, there's nothing that you can't say. And whatever you want to say, say it with your chest, say it proud, say it with conviction and you mean it. And another, another pretty big part of it is also that, you know, when you think about a woman, something that just makes her undeniably female is her chest, is, is the female chest. And in the sports world, women have, in a way, had to hide their femininity. They have had to, you know, try even more hard in the sports world to legitimize themselves. They have to study harder. They have to make sure they have all their I's dotted and their T's crossed. And it's, you know, if you're too girly, nobody takes you seriously. But if you're not girly enough, then they don't want to see you. And it's just like, you know, say it with your chest. Say it from your female perspective. Say it from the way that sports has impacted you as a woman. Because sports doesn't just impact men. Being an athlete doesn't belong to just one gender. There have been female athletes since the beginning of time. And it's time that women and female athletes and women in sports have an opportunity and a platform to share their experiences, whether it's struggles and downfalls or whether it's triumphs and successes. Um, You know, every woman who is involved in sports in some way or another, whether you're a coach or a player or a referee or a trainer or an owner or GM, CEOs, we see them all over the place, no matter what their role is, it's unique to them because it is their female perspective and it has impacted their life. And you don't get to hear about that a lot. And I wanted to create a space that was all about women sharing their experiences with pride and with honor and 
that's really where say it where say it with your test came from. Awesome. Uh Steph, uh kind of vocal uh when the X League announced rebrand here, a lot of former all star players um, you know, got a little bit of you know, vocal in that sense because it's kinda of like the same recycle mode in a way. Uh Chantel mm-hmm. uh Taylor, uh four time LFL champion with Chicago Bliss. Yeah. Um she was commenting uh on Instagram on the LFL official page and a fan was just asking her a basic question about whether you guys got paid or not, right? So it was a question where it's a legit question where the answer was, hey, we don't get paid. You know, the owner makes uh, all the money, and we uh, sometimes have to pay into certain things just to play in the league. So it's no different than the pay-to-play leagues and everywhere else. Um, but I guess uh, the ownership took offense, and then here we are. Uh, you know, Telly really just – just got bugged because of the fact that that's reality. And um, I guess ownership doesn't want to, you know, speak the truth in terms of they're not getting paid. You know, it's the same concept. And so trying to like, I guess, rush, you know, brush it under the the rug just to portray that, you know, this is a professional league when in reality it's not. Yeah. And you know what I've always found interesting is that it's always been like that. And it doesn't just have to do with, telling people if we're paid or not. It doesn't have to do with just that. It's There are so many facts about the LFL and, or the X League or, or whatever he wants to call it, whatever organization Mitch Mortaz is running. There are facts that we know as players that viewers and fans are very – do not have the right understanding of. And there have been plenty of players over the years that if in any public platform, if we have stated those facts, such as we don't get paid, we don't have, like, we have to provide our own insurance, we aren't sponsored, like, I've never seen a sponsorship come to fruition through the LFL. Um, There, we have, I've personally never received anything I, the whole time I was with the acoustic we were never told by the league oh it's one specific sponsor you can't wear these cleats or this or that I mean there is to my knowledge and when I've talked to Telly about this there has never been a successful sponsorship in that regard um and these are just facts and anytime a girl has just stated that they are hushed or blocked or Attempt, there's an attempt to discredit them to some sort. I mean, I believe it was back in at the end of 2016 when Jacinda Barclay had just won the Legends Cup with the Chicago Bliss against the Seattle Mist in Arizona. And I'm, I'm sure that you watched that game and you realized that it wasn't the typical arena that we normally play in. It was like a mm-hmm. AM. It was kind of like um, like a rodeo arena. So there's no walls, there's no protect, there, there's nothing in that regard that was protecting players from going from turf to dirt. And she had spoken up about that. And then she had also um, spoken up about that the fact that there is no compensation and that she had up and relocated her life all the way from Australia to come play in the United States and there wasn't any compensation for that. And that's a fact. Like those are not opinions. That is not her stating, you know, like that she's just disgruntled or that it's an opinion that's going to look bad against Mitch. No, that is a fact. 
and he publicly put her on Facebook saying she was kicked out of the league and to be ungrateful and things like that. And it's, and it's just, if those are the facts about your league that you don't want people knowing, then why are they facts about your league? If that's what one you of the don't po- want people to know, then yeah, you shouldn't be the, doing that. One of the points that has always come up when we have discussions about anything to do internally with, with the LFL is just the fact, the fact that the ownership is not willing to collaborate with the players. The amount of, of a talented athletes since 2009 – if you go back to not just the Hall of Famers that he's inducted, but every other player that was so talented prior to that, you know, b- before the the Legends rebrand and all that, he had so much mm-hmm. opportunity to get, you know, these girls involved with the business on a true business level, and he decided not to do that. He decided to stay with the same model that just benefits him instead of incorporating. We talked about in the past about, you know, when, when any any organization launches a brand, right, you, the first thing you want to launch is an apparel presence to sell something, to get fans involved. Mm-hmm. He, could, he could have branded each player no different than, you know, WWE does with their superstars. He could have, you know, tiered every level. He could have co- contributed to right. that. He would have made more money that way in a business sense. But it doesn't look like he's into the business sense of things. He, that's why he comes across as someone that's trying to exploit players instead of benefiting the player and, you know, the sport. It's a great branded sport. It's a, you know, women's arena football in a different type of mindset, but the evolution of the sport could have been, you know, better now in 2020 if we, if he would have followed maybe a traditional business model, which he failed to, and he had various opportunities with MTV2 on a higher platform. He's got various outlets internationally. He could have done something you know, WWE-like in a fanfare mode and also would have benefit each player in terms of compensation and, and fanfare, but he just didn't do it. And, it's, it, and to this day, he hasn't done it. So a lot of, a lot of uh, true fans of his brand, you know, uh, on group boards this week, we talked about it because I'm on a lot of group boards, and to them it's like this is no different than 2009. It's just restarting with a new name, new name, but we're, we're still in the same motion. So unless he does something to you know to incorporate the players to in, advance the branding and also have the branding help the player in in some sense uh it's the same old recycled show i guess and exactly and from from my understanding is that there one way that he has enticed uh players to stay to come on to the x league is that there is going to be some um equity built, but it's always based around your loyalty. And the way that I like to describe working with Mitch Mortaza is you're kind of like, you're kind of like in this abusive relationship where your boyfriend constantly tells you that he'll put a ring on your finger and he'll, he'll ask you to marry him as long as you show your loyalty to him. But he constantly finds excuses for you to not be loyal enough. And that's frequently the case with Mitch Mortaz, and that's frequently the case of what it feels like. Um, I, I, for instance, when I, 2016 and 2017, I was the marketing manager for the Austin Acoustic, and part of that agreement is that I was supposed to be paid. I was supposed to get 
I mean, not a large amount of money, but I was supposed to get something because on top of my full-time job that I worked at the time and the practices that I was putting in, I couldn't just focus on football. I was constantly running around trying to do all of our marketing because the league does not assist us in any of that. Um, They don't assist us as far as having somebody here in town to do the marketing for us or anything like that. So this is extra time that I am putting in on top of being an athlete and having a full-time job. I, I was supposed to get paid for that and I never received a penny from him. I know people who have worked for him as photographers that never got paid by him. So when he throws out this idea that he's going to have equity for players who prove to be loyal enough, it's like, how many different ways is he going to have to spend the lie before y'all like kind of see that it's not going to come true. And I mean, it's, it's frustrating to watch. And I, I, I know that it's very frustrating for Telly to watch. Um, it, it's a very complicated situation with, trying to get girls to see it because there are girls who do see it and there are some who see it as a necessary evil because they believe that there is no other option that in other leagues where it might cost hundreds and hundreds or close to a thousand dollars to play for us it's forty five dollars and the hundred and fifty dollar equipment fee that we pay every year but there's just so much other unnecessary nonsense and some might call abuse that we have to put up with as players to be a part of the LFL. And at that point, is it worth it? Would you rather go pay, pay more money to play in a league that respects you as an athlete, that treats you as an athlete, that looks at you not as a sex symbol, not as a model, not do you fit this uniform, not – are you too fat? Are you, do you need to lose weight here? It's not about that. It's about you just get to go out and be a baller and be the elite athlete that you are. And, you know, and it, it, it's hard because I feel like a lot of girls know that they want to leave, but they don't know where else to go and they don't see anything else as a viable option, which in some circumstances I can understand. And in some circumstances, I think it's just a cop out, but that's just me. And I think what a lot of what Kelly and I are kind of running into now is that, you know, we do have our frustrations that there are players that say, you know, oh, we support y'all, you know, keep keep talking about it, you know, 100%. And then they turn around and support the ex-league and they support Mitch again. And so it's, you know, you don't want to have well, to. It's we want to I think it's always been a choice, right? It's a choice that they got to make. Like you said, it's a. It's a A or B. Do you want to, you know, right. do you want to consider this? Uh, there's also that that in the back of their minds, the the salesman the salesmanship that he is, like you said, the promises, mm-hmm. a lot of broken promises all right. the time. I mean, if we go back and and you know recap every article of everything he's ever posted, from video games to mm-hmm. you know events in mm-hmm. strenuous countries and everything else, you know, we have more faults, more more of the lies. Even Coach Hack was here before, and he basically said the same thing you did. You know, the fact that it's not a true business model. If you're a marketing, uh, marketing uh, for your team, you would think you would be compensated for that, and the effort would have been a lot greater for him. The problem is the business model that he has is not a business model. It only benefits one individual. Right. He could already be – he could have been at the level of MMA as he claimed various times on his podcast. We're going to be as big as MMA. Not going to happen, bro. You're not going to be as big as MMA because right. – 
You don't have the mindset and the business sense that a Dana White does or a Vince McMahon does. Because if he did, right. in 2020, Legends Football League would probably be the first arena women's football league, you know, either in full kit right. or in some format transformed over over time. I understand the concept. A lot of people understand the concept, right? You had to put, uh, you know, players in bikini to get attraction. Fine. But you get 10 years later, you could have already, you know, we went to the leggings and he did away with it. That was an evolution of the yes. leggings. You could have gone to the full count, the helmet. The, it, the transition, in other words, it's a, it's a great style of football. It could have been transformed, as Coach Hack says, into a, uh, a you know, women's sports that now would have been paid for, and obviously if there's a draw there, at some point the fans do modify themselves and accept what it is, and as it transforms, just like in the NFL with rule changes and gear and everything else, it would have evolved. But the leadership in this league has failed to even incorporate the players, and I think that's one of the worst things he could do is continue to falsely think that, you know, not incorporating players is going to benefit him long term. It's not going to happen. Right, and then he continues to also say that he empowers players when he doesn't. There isn't anything not only about his business model, but the way that he treats players that's empowering. It's only empowering when you fit the image that Mitch wants, and that's it. And that's the sad part is that he uses that word and he uses that idea of it being empowering and it being uplifting and look at this sisterhood and 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 all these things and so you get girls to come out to these tryouts and you get the attention only for those girls to not fit his image and they had this dream to go play in his league but now they're not fit enough they're not skinny enough they don't they don't look right in the uniform and you know and it's just it's sad because it's just such a a misrepresentation and that's not what his league is about and women who do want to play football seriously I have seen I and I personally still do play with a player that that I wouldn't say that he kicked her out, but he made it impossible for her to ever be approved to play for the LFL. I think she may have played a couple of games, but I still play with her now. And I tell people all the time, she's one of the smartest football players I've ever met in my life. She's so intelligent. She is so talented and so gifted. And she's the type of player that you would want to have to bring legitimacy to your league. But when you are consistently neglecting those players because they don't fit your image, well, maybe you need to change your image because you're not, you're no longer incorporating a a whole other realm of elite athlete that you could have simply because you refuse to change your uniform. It's 2020. It's 10 years later. Move on from the oiled up ab shots and the oiled up hump days. Like if you were to compare the videos that he released for the X league and the same one, it's almost the exact same video that he released for when he rebranded to the legends football league. It's 10 years later. It's 2020 women want more culturally, societally. We want women. I believe that as athletes, we want more and we're starting to expect more. And we want that change. Like, we, we were a part of that dog and pony show for 10 years. And we were a part of that, of empty promises, and that we were told that we were going to go play overseas and have all-star, all-star tours and all of this, and that never happened. So now that you're not even changing the image, why would anything else change with it? If at the core of your league, if that's not changing why should anybody expect anything else to change? 
Were you surprised? I was surprised. He changed. He changed the uh, National Knights. Basically, booted them out because they're a private organization that he brought in to try to franchise the league. And I was. I guess I wasn't shocked, but I was surprised at the fact that the National Knights actually spoke out and said, "Hey, we're not going to be part of this league unless real changes are going to happen." You know and. So the way it was presented to the fans was, hey, we just shifted the National Knights to to Kansas City. In reality, that wasn't the case. So it was basically the no. National Knights saying, hey, we want to be in a real league, real arena football type mm-hmm. setup for women. And and men's arena football right. is the same. Nobody gets paid big money. You get paid, you know, two hundred to six hundred dollars depending on what market you're playing with. But you're getting paid at least two hundred to six hundred dollars for you know eight games. It's still compensation. Right. It's almost like a part-time job in mm-hmm. a way. Um, so that's where the Knights are at right now, which is interesting for me because now he wanted to go private in terms of, you know, self-franchises. And technically it's a knucklehead move because you're you're not changing, you know. You need to change right. with the times. And if you're losing a private organization because you don't want to modify your brand, then you're an idiot. And I think that's what Nashville's yes. response is. You're an idiot and until we get – some demands and some, you know, arrangement, uh, we might be in your league or we not, or we'll sit out. And I think that's a first right. start because it's, a, it's an attitude now of the private ownership. They're saying, hey, you got to change your ways or we're not participating. Right. And it also helps that you have Danica Brace. So, I mean, as the head coach of that organization, so deeply involved in that organization that, you know, she, she was with the league for a very long time and, it, to me, I have not spoken with her, but from what it seems is she is also, it seems like there is also this attitude of, you know, it's time to change. I expect more. For, these are, I am not a player anymore. I am now responsible for these players, and I expect more for them. And I expect for them the things that I always wanted. And if you're not going to give us that, then we don't want to be a part of this. And I agree with you that it's a total idiot move on his part to – you know, I thought it was great when he decided that he wanted people to privately own franchises, but at the same time, I was also thinking to myself, this isn't going to last long because anybody who plays in the LFL knows that Mitch has to have his hand in everything. He has to be controlling of everything. He has to be still the last person to call the shots. And when you start letting private owners have your your franchises you lose more and more of the type of power he wants when with every franchise that gets bought and uh you know and it's Steph Steph if he comes out and says I want to take this to another level like the NFL so that he literally becomes just a commissioner head and he doesn't want to do that because now he loses complete control of revenue and everything else that needs to be involved because now you have you have to have disclosure for revenue you privatize every franchise, right. we have to have a disclosure now. You know, we have to have mm-hmm. some sort of medium to, you know, pay the players now if you're going to go to that next level. Because once you become a private organization, like any arena football team, uh, you're a business model, and it's no different that you obviously have employees. And the players that play for you become employees now. They don't become independent contractors. They become employees. And you are you have to contract them no different. Um, I think that's right. escape. And, and the fact that he ran away from a legal uh, lawsuit with Margolis and Nikki Johnson. Nikki Johnson, one of the most uh, electric 
players on the planet, and he screwed it up. Uh, Liz mm-hmm. Foreman, one of the most passionate players on the planet, screwed it up. Jacinda Barkley, one of the most talented quarterbacks in Legends football history, screwed it up. I mean, I can go on and on. <laughs> it's like oh, yeah. he screwed up, and that's the word. He screwed up. He had so much potential to get this brand to to be a women's sports elite brand to pay the players. He could have been played. The players could have been paid like six years ago just to refuse us to do it. So, um, Steph, say it with your chest. February. Are we looking for when? When does it drop here? When? When can we be waiting for um, the first podcast? Uh, looking for February. Um, beginning of February is when I'm hoping to drop my first one. And I'm, you know, hoping to be talking to a lot of different women. I mean, of course. My passion is women's football, so I feel like I'm very drawn to women in football, just, you know, coaches. I've talked to um, Corey, Coach uh, Lori Locust down at in the Tampa Bay Buccaneers um, if she would be interested to come on, and she's kind of directing me to the right avenues to try and set something like that up, which I'm super excited about. Um, I've loved watching her journey at Tampa Bay. Um, I'm also a Tampa Bay fan, so that kind of helps. Um, but I'm I'm interested in talking to women in sports across the board, whether it's uh, softball, volleyball, basketball, you know, just you name it. I would love to talk to them. Of course, you know, my, my best friend, Michelle Marshall, who I've been playing with since I started playing football, um, she'll be a regular guest just because we love to banter. We love to go back and forth and and our friends almost hate it because we'll just sit and kind of by ourselves for hours just talking about nothing but football and they just have to wait patiently for it to be done. So, um, yeah, hopefully, um, episodes, hopefully episodes start, we'll start dropping in February. That's what I'm looking for. And, um, I'm super excited. I'm, I'm really looking forward to it and I'm really looking forward and it's not going to be, looking forward to have the the open conversation the you know there isn't a wrong answer none of the questions are scripted it's just hey let's just talk about what sports means to you because not a lot of women get asked that question and get that opportunity Mm -hmm. to just sit back and be like hey you know wow it actually has a lot to do with it so i'm really excited all right so say it with your chest you can follow it on facebook exactly as it says say it with your chest you can follow uh, Steph McCormick as well on Facebook. Uh, what's the other handles they can follow you, Steph? Um, I'm on Instagram at StephMac underscore talk. And then I have my podcast as Say It With Your Chest underscore pod. So they can right, find it so, on there. And, uh, I, and I've got them both on there as well. Perfect. Um, so we're going to look forward to that and the interesting interviews that we're going to have. So I wish you success in the podcast. Um, and you know, get it, get it hooked, hooked up on all the other uh, platforms. And so, uh, looking forward to uh, 2020 and what you're going to bring to the to the podcast that you're going to say it with your chest. Interesting, and we'll see how it turns out. So, thank you for making the time today to come in and talk about all the things that are happening in these the rebrand and as well as the previous LFL. And hopefully, we will have changes going forward and somebody wakes up. But uh, at this point, it hasn't happened, and probably the expectation is it won't happen. So. But uh, success for you, and uh, what an amazing career you had in Austin. And a lot of fans are really, really, uh, really loved you. So uh, Austin Sound, I don't know if that sounds great, but that's what the new team will be, <laughs> the Austin Sound. Um, yeah. So we'll go from there, I guess. Yeah, well, thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it, and it's always great to talk to you and Holly. 
All right. So, uh, Steph, have a great night. Appreciate it. Looking forward to your first podcast episode, okay? Thanks. Y'all have a great evening. Bye. All right, Holly. Um, so, Steph Mack, um, just going to debut, say it with your chest. That's a pretty unique uh, podcast, and I thought it was pretty creative. Definitely. I mean, again, at, at the end of the day, the more exposure we have uh, to our sport, the better. So, I mean, I think it's really exciting that she's starting that, um, and I'm, I'm looking forward to, to seeing how it goes. I think it'll be really interesting. All right. Um, we are also now on Global Women's Sports Radio. It's uh, just brand new uh, by Henry G. And it's via RadioKing.com. So he's going to be talking pretty much similar to Steph's doing, but on a kind of larger scale. So it's Global Women's Sports Radio on RadioKing.com. Uh, you can get the link at the hub at Facebook.com for size Gridiron Beauties on there. Um, Holly, uh, the, the Niners. Everybody assumed since Minnesota kind of beat down Saints that they were coming to come in Levi and, you know, just do their business thing. And, wow, that defense just came in and said, you're getting out of here. No, no, no twos about it. Yeah, you know, the interesting thing is, like, the national media, um, it's really kind of funny because after every week they are like, oh, the Niners are good, but dot, dot, dot. Well, they're doing well, but dot, dot, dot. And I think there was a big, uh, you know, misunderstanding about this defense because they started out really, really well in the first, like, eight games. They were dominant. And then there was a bit of a drop-off. And part of that was because they were playing better teams on the back end of the season. But the big chunk was that we were missing key pieces to that defense. Uh, namely the the bigger two pieces that we lost were D Ford and also Quan Alexander. Um, and then when we got those two back, plus our, our starting safety Tart, who's also played really well this season, and we had a bye, it was like restarting the year with all the pieces that we've been missing. And so that defense that you saw against the Vikings, I think that's who we really are defensively. It's just like any other team throughout the NFL season – it's a it's a game of attrition, and sometimes you lose pieces along the way. But I'm just glad we got them back. And it was evident when you look at how the production dropped a little bit through the halfway point of the season, you can definitely equate that uh, on the defensive line to the loss of Ford. Because what happens is when you have Ford and Bosa on either side, you can't focus on one or the other uh, because they're just too good on either edge. When D uh, went down, then they can focus more on Bosa. And then it's a lot harder for the guys internally as well. So when we have both those guys on the edge, it opens both of them up. It opens up the guys at the middle. And that's why you saw six, I think we had six sacks, almost seven, I think. Um, And they just went crazy. And it was really fun to watch because that's like the defense I know that we have and in the national people are like oh they were amazing and I'm like no they, they've been amazing it's just like any other team in NFL the healthier you are the better you are so having those guys back no at this time great. has really put together a really solid game plan especially against the Vikings you know what I mean uh, oh, a yeah. tool set running a tool, dual set running game with Coleman mm-hmm. and Merced 
didn't even need a running game technically. And so defensively, they just overpower that, that uh, Vikings line and they just, they showed their might basically. And what, what a, a debut for the first playoff game in Levi. And now you get Aaron Rodgers, who would probably want revenge from that horrible beatdown in season. So interesting game. I think everybody wants Seattle on a third swing, but here we get Green Bay. You know what's interesting about the the offense's game plan is that what I've noticed about Shanahan is that he has no qualms about if something's not working that game or the matchup that we have that we thought we were going to get is, is not there. He has no qualms about changing it. And my favorite series of that game was, I think, in the third quarter <clears throat> when we got the ball uh, back. And it was, I think it was just after uh, Jimmy had thrown a pick. And we had the ball, I think, like on our own 10. And we ran the ball eight straight times down their throw, all the way down the field into the end zone. And I think that drive broke their back. And so that was kind of fun to watch. But I think what you we'll see with the Packers is even though, it, uh, you know, the Seahawks um, having played them twice already and their classic games, a third matchup would have been great too. Although it, it's a little bit of a different Seahawks vibe because they don't have their running backs right now, but it still would have been really great because every time these teams play weird stuff mm-hmm. happens. So it was going to be a great did, game. Did you get, However, did you get the message, Holly, that, uh, that uh, Lynch sent out? So you got to save your money or your chicken. Yeah, no. yeah you got to save. You got to save your chickens. Okay, and <laughs> it's true. And I get what he's saying because for him, he's coming off the couch and and you know. I had to listen to it heart. more than once <laughs> to understand what he was telling me. Bless, bless his heart. From his perspective, it, it's hard because they they literally like he's not like. Um, like Carmelo Anthony that's been training the whole time because he wants to get back. This is a guy that thought that's he true. was done, was on the yeah, street yeah. corner, like, handing out shots, shots of tequila at a Rangers game, and then they're like, oh, come back. And then, and he's done okay. Um, he scored a couple touchdowns, but all of them have been, like, on the half-yard line. Um, and then other than that, he hasn't really been that productive. So for him, it's probably more of like, a, oh, gosh, this is a lot harder than I remember and, you know, because when you get older, it's harder. So he's probably telling people, like, hey, you got to protect yourself and save, you know, save your chickens. And, and I, I agree with that. Um, but uh, going back to the, the, uh, to the Packers, it's actually an easier matchup for the Niners because we do better when the quarterback sits in the pocket. Um, right. And that's why we annihilated them the last time. Uh, you know, part of that's because the Packers' offense is still not consistent. Um, and, you know, when it's on, it's really on, and when it's not, it's not. But I think the key for us is going to be that defensive line and, and you know, basically make uh, Rodgers uh, see ghosts, so to speak. Was that, uh, was that Darnold that said that, see ghosts? He was seeing ghosts? Um, yep. But uh, we need him to see ghosts, and we need to make sure to uh, take care of Adams because he's going to try to throw a thousand plants to Adams. Other than that, I think we'll be just fine. As long as, you know, the biggest thing, of course, in football is take care of the ball. As long as we take care of the ball, we get after Rodgers, it should be a much better game than the first time we, we, we play them just because they're professionals and they have some pride. But I still think we we are rightly favored. So it's just a matter of keeping our heads on, focus, 
and take care of the ball, and I think we'll be fine. Holly, what do you say of the Titans? I said it last week and the week before that. I said, watch out for this team. They're well-coached defensively. They have a good nucleus. Offensively, Tannehill's found you know, a, a little bit of a stride there. Uh, they look like New England Patriots of a couple seasons ago. The playbook's the same. They got a tight end move. They got the Tannehill in, in the pocket. They got a receiver. They got a, a, probably the, a better running back than New England would ever have. So last week everybody was saying, oh, no, 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 you know, the Baltimore's going to just, you know, take care of business and look what they did. They, they, they're for real. I, I'm, I don't understand if Kansas City knows this, but this Tennessee team is for real. And under a coach, uh, Ravel, they are looking for Super Bowl berth. They're not going into Kansas City intimidated, in other words. Yeah, you know, they're, they're, with that particular game, I mean, you have to kind of look at each team individually. The Titans are an interesting team. Uh, you know, uh, I'm a big Marcus Mariota fan, so I'm still really kind of mad at them for how they treated him. However, I don't think this is really as much of a Tannehill thing. This is a Derrick Henry thing. Because right. I don't think people that weren't watching the Titans understood is that Derrick Henry was always good. He was just always banged up or injured. And whenever he was healthy, he was great. And so I think what they've done is when they made the switch um, and they brought in Tannehill to start, I think the the reason why they've been so successful is because they've gone away from trying to be creative a little bit with Marcus and then they've just gone more traditional. They've handed Henry, he had 30 carries. You know, that's a lot mm-hmm. as a running back, 30 carries. And this is an old school smash mouth type of offense now. And they've kind of changed what they do. So I think it's more of a, uh, the, there is the change in offensive philosophy, the emergence of Derrick Henry when he's been healthy, uh, and then the swagger and confidence that they found. Those three factors are why they're dangerous right now, and they kind of believe in themselves. And that you know, you kind of emulate your head coach. You know, the head coach is is a little bit on not necessarily the arrogant side, but he's trending that direction. And I think they're kind of following that suit. And they believe in themselves, and they're going to be physical. Um, and then you look on the Ravens side, and then it's like evident that. This is a team that's a little bit younger on the maturity scale because they had to buy, um, you know, all the pundits are like, well, they didn't, you know, have their starters play their last game and that whole, you know, rest versus rest thing. That's part of it. But honestly, if you're a professional, you should be fine. I think the bigger deal is the the mentality of – trying to take this game seriously. I think it's evident they overlooked the Titans. I think it's evident that they started to mm-hmm. believe their own hype and thought, oh, we're the Ravens. The Titans are just going to roll. And so that was a problem. And the other problem is they've not really been in a situation where they've played from behind. They're not really built, I think, to play from behind. So when they did start starting, when they started to fall behind, they started to panic. And, you know, it's you saw the panic from the sideline. That was kind of evident, oh, especially yeah. with Jackson, because he he had no clue yes. what to do at that point. He's like, "Well, we're getting we're getting beat down here," and he had no answer for it. And they they had containment. They came hard. Uh, he was supposed to be the only one to make the plays, and he couldn't happen. That couldn't make it happen. Um, I was more right. impressed with just the the management side on the offensive side, and then and then like you said, the coach really got cocky 
by saying, okay, we're going to give it to Henry and stop me. Stop me. It's kind of right. like a Belichick mentality like they did to my Rams in the Super Bowl, you know, where they right. just kind of just choke it down, choke it down, choke it down, make the quarterback beat you. Um, right. Ali, will it be impressive if they take down Brady, he takes down Jackson, coming up, takes down Mahomes, and ultimately he might take down Jimmy G. And if they win it all, it, that's an impressive, impressive run. I know that's not what you oh, want to yeah, hear, it, but Oh, no, no. It would be very, very impressive. And in every year you find this team that hits the playoffs, and sometimes it's not necessarily the best team that wins. It's the hottest team. And, mm-hmm. you know, I think um, uh, going back to the, the Ravens for just a quick sec, I think people underestimated the importance of of uh, uh, Mark Ingram. Because when he went out, when you're a defender and you don't mm-hmm. have to honor the run game in that read, it makes it so much easier when you know it's just Lamar. Even though he's he's an incredible athlete, it's one less thing for you to think about. So I think people forget that one of the reasons Lamar had such a great year is because Ingram had such a great year. So sidestep that. Uh, moving on, if they – do beat the Chiefs, I think that would be incredible. I think that the, the Chiefs-Texans game was <laughs> a wild one, and I will I really feel very strongly that the Texans faking that punt is the worst call I've seen in a minute. Oh, yeah. I was like, oh, yeah. besides my, I was beside myself because I'm like, look, like, you have the lead. You know you got complete, uh, some fluky things that got you that lead. Right? Oh, You're still in control of the game. The Chiefs, you know, just scored, right? But you're still up by, like, two and a half scores. And you know how explosive this team is. You're on the road. You're on your own, like, 30 or 35. And it's, like, fourth and long. This is not the time to fake a punt. That's like going to the blackjack table and you're up, like, 15 grand and you're just like, one more time, and you lose everything. It's like giving them that Houston, fake punt. Houston beat themselves. Like, Houston just literally like, beat themselves. It's like saying – it's like it's like, hey, hey, monster! We know you're really crazy, mm-hmm. and we have you on the mat. But here, let me help you back up. You don't need yep. to give Mahomes any of that. And then you'll notice the difference, though, between the sideline demeanor between the Ravens and the Chiefs. The Ravens. This is where Lamar needs to mature a bit. He was freaking out. He was panicked. He looked confused. Mm-hmm. He was yelling at the refs. He didn't really talk to his teammates. And then Mahomes is out there. You know, on the sideline, like, we got this. We got it. You know, we could be special. Like, they, you know, that is the difference in maturity. And so when you're talking about the Titans versus the Chiefs, the Titans have to know that the Chiefs won't melt down like the Ravens did. So that's going to be yeah. a really interesting matchup. I'm really excited to see it. I'm, I'm excited. And I think Tennessee is dangerous. And I really think they've already won once against them. Now coming into a – potential Super Bowl berth, this coach is going to get them completely on another level. And that's what I'm saying. Kansas City really needs to, you know, beware because uh, Tennessee has nothing to lose. They got nothing to lose, technically. They got into this dance. They made their they made their mark. But they got nothing to lose. They got everything to earn. So they get the Super Bowl berth uh, on the AFC side. Huge accomplishments for the coach, you know, for bringing them this far and getting them here. And then you got um, you got uh, Kyle, Kyle's story on the other oh, side. Oh yeah. You know, similar situation. The only difference is probably a better 
overall team in the NFC in the NFC side. And I just doubt Green Bay is going to really make a difference. But if they can squeeze out, squeeze uh, squeeze one out, that would be so shocking. Yeah, you, when it comes to the, the Titans and the Chiefs matchup, it's interesting because it's two different philosophies. So basically, whoever ends up winning this game is a is a team that enforces their philosophy over the other one, you know, because you're going to have, they're going to give Henry the ball another another 30 times and the chiefs are going to do what they do, but they're more explosive and they move the ball a lot faster down the field with, with their passing game. Right. So it's, it's more of a, who wins the philosophy battle. Um, I think if the Titans were to get into the Super Bowl with the Niners, it would be like a grudge match, like old school physical game, and it would be really fun. Um, I think you know, with with the Packers, it's hard because they had like a decent year, and you know, record wise. But I don't think they've reached their full potential offensively. You know, it takes a couple years to learn a new offense, and I think they're kind of struggling through that. Um, their defense started out strong in the year, and they've kind of fallen off a little bit. I think the Packers kind of hit the right you know, time to play the Seahawks. The Seahawks are down. They have no running game. And, you know, um, they kind of hit it, hit it at the right time. I think the Packers, it, I, it would be more of a long shot, I think, for the Packers to beat the Niners than for the Titans to beat the Chiefs. Um, but I think it's going to be the Chiefs and the Niners. And I think it's going to – that would be a really fun matchup. Um, but th- that's just my gut. So, you know, Kansas City really could play down if they don't play down with Andy Reid. So I don't know if that's going to happen with, you know, Rayroll. Uh, he's studied, so I'm, I'm pretty sure he's going to be ready. And I know the Niners on the other side are probably uh, the team that's going to pull through. So uh, it could be San Francisco, Tennessee. So that could be the case. In which case, uh, Derrick Henry against our uh, D-line would be amazing. <laughs> yep. I would love that. Oh, yeah. That would be awesome. Uh, all right. So you got to bail. We got to bring in the salty one mm-hmm. here. And then, so I'll catch you here next week. And we're going to be talking about okay. see who goes to the Super Bowl. And uh, you'll probably be very stoked on Sunday if, if you're the, you know, the gold rush does its job against the Chiefs heads. And uh, you'll be going to the Super Bowl. I, I hope to be celebrating. I'll catch you there. All righty. Bye, Holly. Thank you. Bye. All right. So let's bring in uh, the salty one in the house, Mackenzie Brooks, uh, WFA Iowa Phoenix. Uh, Mackenzie, 2020, Happy New Year. Happy New Year, Oscar. What's up? What's up? It's been a long time. We haven't heard you. And uh, guess what? You're on Spotify now. Spotify, iHeart, Apple Podcasts. Google Cast, tune in. Wow, you're on all that. So hold on, you mean to tell me the salty one is now on Spotify? On Spotify officially that. today. I love that. You know, I literally, I am a global treasure, Oscar. It's a thing, you know. And now that you just said that we're on Spotify, I feel, I feel like that title now definitely upholds its its worth. I'm excited. I don't know. I was, so, I was tickled all week. Uh, you you probably saw my Facebook post. I was totally excited when I got the email saying, hey, you're on board now. We're on board. Um, so, yeah, big, 
big deal, just like when we got on iHeart. Big, big deal. So uh, thanks yeah. to you and all our previous co-hosts and everybody else that's made it happen for us to get here and to be on the biggest listenership platforms. Uh, it's pretty awesome. Um, hey, Jason Garrett, out the door. Yeah, McCarthy. Yeah. Are you happy? Look, uh, no, <laughs> I am not. I'm happy Garrett's on. I am not, however, thrilled that we have a freaking former cheese ball. I am not at all thrilled about that. Although, I, was, I was thinking I about that say, when that came out. I was like, what's, what's McKenzie going to think with <laughs> Jerry Jones? I'm not. I am not. I'm not. Okay. I'm not going to say I'm not thrilled because McCarthy knows how to work with an elite offense, which is what we have when we can run it correctly. So I'm anticipating there's going to be a lot more RPO, a lot more halfback passes. Um, mm-hmm. um, Dak may or may not be Rodgers-esque. I mean, Dak is better. That's my opinion. I don't care what any cheese ball has to say. And every single one of you can get in my inbox if you have problems with it. I don't care. But, wow. Um, I, I know. I know. It's, it's a salty Tuesday, Oscar. It really is. <laughs> well, I'm also you're not salty. eating right now, are you? Every time you're on, you're eating. I'm, no, I'm grubbing. not eating, which is you're a not shocker. Now? I am shocked. No, I am shocked. You're not eating right no, now. No, I'm trying to wait. Until, I'm trying to wait till after the podcast so that I can oh just eat and go to sleep. Oh my god! Yeah, I know. Oh my god! I know. Anyways, look, it's 2020, like the and and your new coach is no, not no, probably I'm the not. greatest. And uh, no, everybody yeah. thinks Garrett's gonna land in, in in Giants land, and I'm like, you're an idiot to hire that guy. <laughs> and they didn't get you him. You know, so worst things I'm have happened. Still I mean, Ron Rivera. Got got hired on with the Redskins. Love Ron Rivera, not the fact that he's the Redskins head coach because, well, they suck. Yeah, yeah, of course. Ron's good. <sighs> Ron, Ron, Ron's going to transform the Redskins. I can I can tell you that if he did what he did with Carolina, then he's got potential to transform the Redskins. So it could be tougher uh, NFC, uh, NFC East between yourselves and the Redskins and. I have no idea what Philly's going to look like, so given all that stuff. <laughs> you um, know, I'm I'm fully anticipating the Redskins being being competitive next season. That that I can assure you. Um, yeah. Especially with what he's done with Kyle Allen and Christian McCaffrey. I mean, Christian McCaffrey was already doing what he's doing last year and the season before. I mean, he's just elevated it, you know, this season. And now that he had mm-hmm. Kyle Allen, and I think I think if they would have started Kyle Allen at the start of the NFL season, I I honestly think Carolina would have been a wild card or been at least in the wild card race. Well, we just talked to Holly before you came on, so uh, let's let's dive into what you think here. Um, LSU, Burrow, hey, we knew he was talented, uh, breaks all these records, sets up all these records. Uh, now uh, he gets probably the goal that says, we're going to Cincinnati. <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah, it's feel bad for him oh. already. But anyways, um, what an impressive uh, you know, finals game. It was pretty pretty awesome. I watched it from, you know, the whole game. So Clemson, I really thought they were going to come in and really, you know, do their thing. And then all of a sudden, no, LSU really uh, made up for the Saints loss, I guess. Yeah, you know, I am – I was pulling for Clemson. 
clearly because I am not an SEC fan by any means of the sort. So anytime the SEC, anytime an SEC team loses, I get ecstatic. And I, I like to run my mouth because that's what I do because I get salty very fast. I think anytime you were happy when Alabama fans, didn't make it. You were all over it. Oh, I Happiness was ecstatic. Was oh, my God. <laughs> Look, that was like Christmas. Like, ha, Bama didn't get in. I'm happy for the rest of 2019. But no. I my being a football player, you can take absolutely nothing away from the LSU Tigers. Absolutely nothing. They played spot on the entire game. I was more or less annoyed with Clemson because it just looked like they were deflated. They didn't, they did not, they, I mean, granted this season that they've had has been very rocky. It wasn't the straightforward 15-0 season they had the previous season. Um, but, you know, Trevor Lawrence is a sophomore going into his junior year. I fully see, I fully see Dabo Sweeney and Trevor Lawrence and the, and the Cubs and Tigers back in the national championship next year. Who it's going to be against? Not sure. Um, hopefully it's not an SEC team because now I've got to listen to them run their take hole for another 365 days. And I, don't, I, I already don't like 98% of SEC fans in general. I've got time for it. Yeah, I, I, I know that that was pretty impressive. And then, uh, you know, uh, Moss's kid, man, what an impressive guy. And then Chase, uh, those two guys were beasts. Holy, so they played really good holy Moss. Randy Moss's kid, man, he was he was all stoked about yeah, his kid. Thaddeus, why not? Oh, man. Thaddeus Moss is one of the scariest tight ends in the country. And to be honest, he's almost built like a linebacker. He's oh, yeah. big as crap. I mean, I love it. Like, anybody, anytime you can get a big, a big physical tight end that can run like that, that's, I mean, and that's what they were doing. They were flipping, they were flipping him under, mm-hmm. flipping him under routes. They were flipping him over routes. He's out here running in the slot. I mean, I mean, and, that, and they were saying last night on the game that uh, Joe Burrow and uh, Thaddeus Moss are best friends. So I mean, you know, obviously, anytime you can connect with your best friend as a quarterback and you know an eligible receiver or you know tight end fullback type, you know, it's going to be electric, especially because you're gonna you're gonna want to. Do you're gonna to want to push yourself that much more to get your friend, you know, the accolades or you know the glory for that moment type thing? Um, I just feel bad that Joe Burrow is about to go to Cincinnati, and it's not even it's not even gonna be a bad thing because to be honest, he's probably gonna start. He's probably gonna start next year. Mhm, mhm. Yeah, I mean, uh, they're they're gonna to have to restructure the whole thing, but hopefully, he if he lands there, it's an opportunity for all these Bengals fans to kind of just have hope, I guess, for 2020 to make something of a season again. Yeah. You know, I think, um, I think the Cincinnati Bengals definitely going to, are going to have to restructure and you have to start with the leader of your offense at the quarterback position. So it may, as far as draft stock and, you know, um, I test like ability as far as, the NFL fan scene is concerned, you know, obviously, you know, the team that takes the worst gets the first round pick or, you know, first, first pick out, out, you know, off the shoot. Um, unfortunately that is Cincinnati, um, but not so much, unfortunately for Burrow because he's going to go and he's going to be able to go in there and take what he's done at LSU and literally transfer it over to Cincinnati. Like quite, I mean, quite literally there's, there's probably a little bit. There's probably going to be a little bit of a, um, not even so much an adjustment period because he's NFL ready. Like he's he's been NFL ready since last season, 
Um, but this mm-hmm. season just solidified, especially last night, and, and like for five touchdowns, five touchdowns, mm-hmm. yeah. five touchdowns. Uh, he had over 327 yards of passing, I believe. Um, had about 100 yards rushing, I believe. Um, so a lot I of mean, records, like he broken. Yeah, it was just a lot of records were broken in the dome. He's gonna be. He's gonna go down as one of the best college football quarterbacks ever in terms of finals appearances. So, yeah, he's he's got a, you know a decent amount of potential, and now it's a matter of whether Cincinnati can structure the line to get him you know to be successful. So we'll see how it goes. Um, Mackenzie, what do, what do you say of the round that came out? So um, Tennessee shocks. And I talked about it last week and the week before. Hey, watch out for these Titans. You know, they're 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 pretty good on defense. They're managing off on offense pretty well. Now you got the you know, the the workhorse Henry and here we are. They take care of business. Uh twenty eight to twelve. They rattle Lamar. No Ingram on the other side, as Holly mentioned earlier. Um so big factor there, but at the same time, hey, this this team you know, you get into the dance, all you got to do is win four, and they've already won two out of the four, so. You know, I am not an Alabama Crimson Tide fan by any means. I am, however, and have been a fan of Derrick Henry, although I was kind of upset that it's taken him a little bit to get to this level, but he's there, and he's not going nowhere. I do not see anybody beating them, honestly. I just I don't see anybody stopping Derrick Henry to get to the Super Bowl. I just I don't. Well, Holly see thinks there's, there's the Niners like, will beat him. He embarrassed. Just to let you know. I mean, and, and Holly has that right because that is her team. I may have to agree with her on the fact that um, the Forty ers D line has been stout the entire season, so mm-hmm. I can't take that away from her. However, Derrick Henry embarrasses defensive lines. Good ones, too. We saw that when he embarrassed all hell out of the Patriots' D-line. Mm-hmm. And the, the, the Patriots' D-line is not anything to snuff at. Um, in fact, the Patriots' secondary is nothing to snuff at. But he was literally running all over them. Mackenzie, do you think the confidence is there for this? this team to come into Kansas city and go, we already beat these guys. And now we got to beat them to the birth, to the super bowl. This is a big deal. If the coach comes in with that motivation, right? You got one step. I mean, that's, that's the locker room talk right there. You walk in, you go, you guys got one step to go to the super bowl and they're standing in your way now. And they've already beat them once. Right. And they didn't even have Tannehill when that happened. Now you have Tannehill. Exactly. And air attack. They had, I think it was, I think Mar- Mariota started that game that they beat them, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If, if my memory serves very correctly. But mm-hmm. and see, and I think especially with how Kansas City started their previous game, and then inevitably coming back with was it thirty twenty eight twenty eight or thirty five unanswered points. Houston collapsed on themselves. I think that's really what we have to break down. They collapsed on themselves. And they gave Kansas City oh, opportunity. And so, you know, I don't think Tennessee's going to allow that. They didn't allow it against Brady. No. That was their biggest win. I think that, that coach looking at his mentor on the other side and his former quarterback and going, here's the bird and you're going home and I'm moving on. I think that was a pretty, pretty awesome statement. 
Oh, absolutely. Well, and, and the other thing is, is with tennis, with Tennessee having such an electric offense, adding Derrick Henry, you know, or, or I guess implementing him more, more than just for running game, it's it's going to spread out Kansas City's defense. Kansas City likes to play kind of mild tight or uh, yeah, moderate tight nickel defense. And with and Derrick Henry, Derrick Henry can play everywhere, fullback, halfback, running back, speed back, slot receiver. I mean, he played the Wildcat quarterback and, you know, got himself a, a touchdown. Carson, he has, it, it's bad. It, it's, I mean, it's bad, but it's pretty sad when a full-time running back has more playoff passing yards and touchdowns than a regular NFL starter in Carson Wentz. Like, that, that's pretty, that's, I mean, that's saying something. So, I mean, it's this game, to be honest, I think this game is going to go into overtime, and it may go into multiple overtimes. I think it's going to come down to who wants it more, and I'm not going to lie. I think the Titans want more, especially with myself included. Most people have slept on the Tennessee Titans, period. And nobody nobody on – no NFL fan can say that they haven't unless you're a Tennessee fan. No, they've earned it. I mean, they've earned it against the Patriots. They just earned it against the, you know, the Ravens. Take they took down Belichick, Harbaugh, and he's about to take Andy Reid down. That's pretty impressive <laughs> if you think about it. Yeah, that's, taking out that's, Belichick, that's three powerhouse Harbaugh, coaches back to back. And now you're back. gonna now you're gonna end up taking out Andy Reid. Andy Reid is a great coach, but he's not a coach that takes you to the Super Bowl. If does that make sense? And so this is yeah. a big test for him. This is another test, right? It's just a matter of can he get Absolutely. Kansas City to the Super Bowl? Because otherwise, it's going to be another disappointing season. The fact that it one step to the door to get there, and you have this team over here that just somehow decided that this is the second season for them, and they're just going to ball out to get to the big trophy. Um, very impressive. I'm, I, I have to, like I said, I can't say enough. Impressive is the only word I can say. Is very impressive offensively, like you said, balanced run game with the big workhorse, and if it works then shove it down their throats and, until they can stop it. And it's basically what they're doing, basically. Yeah, then that's, and that's pretty much been their key all season. I mean, it's not a bad plan. You, you know, don't, don't fix it if it ain't broken. And so far, nothing's been broken about their offensive scheme at all. All right, so you think the Cheeseheads are going to walk out of Levi Stadium and surprise and shock the world and beat these uh, – 49ers and depress Holly absolutely, next week? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. I'm holding no faith in Green Bay, as I always don't. Okay? Um, I just, I just, no. I just don't see it not happening. Um, you, no. You're going to see the fear factor, as my neighbor says. They're going to they're gonna put, they're going to run the dogs. And Aaron Rodgers is going to not be a happy guy. They're gonna just tear him. Aaron Rodgers is gonna get flattened like a pancake, oh. unfortunately. Yeah. I don't. I don't actually like, wish that on him, but it is he's, going he's, to happen. He's like, he's like dangle the meat. It's between the offensive line on the other side, and these dogs are just gonna go. <laughs> Niner defense is gonna just go to have to feast. Oh, absolutely. And and the the other thing is is just like off the or defenses having trouble stopping Derrick Henry especially Green Bay's defense because their corners are not they you know like their 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 secondary is just not real real great um 
I don't see anybody stopping George Kittle at, at all. Like, George Kittle is that guy. George Kittle is that dude. Like, oh, my God. Do I need to hear this? It's like crush time for you when you speak of George Kittle. Do we need to hear this? I First of all, first, don't, don't come for my life. I love George Kittle. Okay. Number one. Number two, he's just, he is just electric. Like, when he plays. Where's he I, from? You know, Where's this George Kittle I'm guy from? He's from Iowa. Let's go. Let's do it. Tight end university, bud. We didn't hear enough of this George Kittle guy and where he's from. We don't hear enough of this. Look, he's been slept on the past couple seasons, and now that they're about to go to the Super Bowl because Green Bay is not beating them, please. No. This George Kittle is about to get a uh, ring on his finger, a Super Bowl ex- champion ring. That's exactly what I'm saying. Where is he from? George again? Kittle. He's from Iowa, Titan University, the home of Herky the Hawkeye. Mac, you're you got a crush on this guy. He's so talented, but you got to have a crush on him. He's so talented. He's just a beast. I mean, I may have a little bit of a girly crush on George Kittle, but I love him because he doesn't let anything stop him. He he look he would play with a limb missing and then some. He don't care. Like he's a G, okay? And you can't tell me he's not. No, he's 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 pure he's pure grit. That's all I gotta say. <laughs> he doesn't mess around. When he's on, he, when he, when he gets going, he gets going. And sometimes that's all you need is pure grit to grind out the entire game. Yeah, if he if he wins this, uh, if they go all the way, this is such an impressive thing for Shanahan alone. The fact that he couldn't get it done in Atlanta, and now the makeup is similar to the the Falcons that couldn't get it done. You know, he has literally the same Atlanta Falcons team with just different pieces. And and now he's one step away from going to the return to the Super Bowl, but now as a head coach. So it's pretty impressive. I have to agree with you. Although I will say that I think that Shanahan has a little bit better pieces than he did in Atlanta at the time, mm-hmm. with the exception of mm-hmm. Mohamed Sanu and Julio Jones. Right. I agree. I totally agree with that. Yeah, but I'm just saying, him coming here, building the, you know, one year off of building, and you, get bring, you bring Lynch, who's supplemented, and said, hey, yeah, we'll get you what you need, and all of a sudden, here you are, you got what you need, you know, and then you get the addition of Boza on defense, kind of the equivalent of Aaron Donald, you know, and so... Yeah, it works, as they say. Like I said, if it's not broke, don't fix it. Yeah, he's been impressive. So we're not taking – you're not taking the Packers, and I certainly, as much as I'd like to go against the Niners as a Ram fan, uh, as a football purist, uh, unfortunately I have to take the Niners, you know, just the way it is. I just don't see them – Yeah, I'm pretty much – overcoming that defense. The defense, even even the offense, I'm not even talking about offense on the Niners side, just the defense alone, they got to be able to, you know, contain. And I just don't see that um, Packer line containing the defense. Yeah, I'm not, I'm really pretty much counting Green Bay out at this point. I'm not even going to lie. And that's not salt. That's just Green Bay has been up and down this season. Like, that's really it. Mm-hmm. And, any, and any cheese ball fan that want to argue this with me, Please get in my inbox. I will argue this fact wow. all day. 
And you are going to go there? Them? Always go there when oh, we absolutely. say Green Bay. Like, unravel. They irritate Now me. you're unraveling on Spotify, you know, too. That's cool. You know, Spotify needs some salt in its life, and that's what I'm here for. I'm here to provide the fans of football salt and sass all in one. All right, uh, Mackenzie, since you're all riled up, the Chiefs advance, or are we going to see the Titans Remember the Titans this whole 2019 uh, playoff run. It's literally going to be remember the Titans all the way to the Super Bowl. Wouldn't it? Wouldn't it be cool? Chiefs, that you, you're you're using that name, remember the Titans, off the movie, and if they truly go to the Super Bowl and beat the Niners, if that's the case, what a run! What a run! And just an exclamation point on there. Oh, absolutely. Like I said, any any football fan, any NFL fan this season other than actual Titans fans cannot tell me that they have not slept on on the Titans because it's, it's because you're you're lying. Because I mean, nobody expected the Titans to be here. But what we also forgot is Derrick Henry. Derrick Henry was doing this stuff at Bama. Derrick Henry was being Derrick Henry. Derrick Henry now is a better Derrick Henry, obviously because he's not in college anymore. He's bigger, he's faster, he's stronger. It takes eight people to take him down and then some. And even when people try to wrap him up, he still walks his way right through the pile and gets extra yards. He knows how to move his feet, and he knows how to protect the ball. Yeah, it's it's going to be a, a clash of champions in, in a lot of ways because a lot of talent on both sides. Uh, the state of Tennessee is just in a buzz right now. And if they take down the Kansas City Chiefs, Another disappointing season for the Missouri fans out there. Uh, I don't want to be, you know, Brooke Leach is a big fan of Kansas City with Mahomes. And, God, I just hate to see, you know, just, just be depressed about the fact that they can't get, they can't get over the hump or get into the bowl, um, into the Super Bowl. And, but the Titans are not coming in here to give anything, and they already know they can beat them once. They, like I said, the coach is probably going to – amp them up one more time. They're sending your way for the next step and for the trophy. So, uh, as you know, like uh, Holly said, they're all professional. They know what's at stake. So it's just a matter of execution now. Exactly. You know, I I can't even – I have nothing to add or take away from what Holly said. She's exactly right. You know, they're they're professionals. They, They know the next step is big for them. They know what's at stake. They know what they have to do. They got to up their game a little bit because you know it's divisional round. We're here. Run through them. Take yourself to the Super Bowl, and 49ers will see you there. Like that's what that's what Tennessee has to do, you know. And I'm I have a lot of I have a lot of friends that are SEC fans and, and a lot of Tennessee fans. So I'm I'm pulling for Tennessee for them for the fact that you know the the Tennessee Vols still have a little bit of ways to go before they're considered the upper echelon of college football again, at least in the, in the SEC. But if the Titans can get this done and at least get to the big dance, I mean, you can't tell Tennessee fans nothing. You can't tell nobody in Tennessee nothing about nothing, about some football. It don't, it don't even matter, college or NFL. You're not going to tell them nothing because they're there. They, they you know. Even if they don't win it, they went there, you know, they're going to be second place or whatever have you. You cannot tell them nothing about no football at this point when Tennessee 
pile drives through Kansas City. No, I agree with that. Um, you know the uh, the XFL has the new rules that's coming up, so I don't know if you read the new rules, but it seems pretty interesting that they're going to kind of go the opposite way of the of the NFL in a lot of ways. Um, the overtime rule is going to be adjusted from what I read, so that's pretty interesting. So it's uh, it will consist of five rounds staged in alternating single-play possessions from the five-yard line. Each successful score is going to be worth two points. And if teams are tied after five rounds, uh, play continues until one team is leading at the conclusion of a round. So kind of a, a change, I guess, if you want, if you want it, instead of the win the coin toss, score touchdown, and the game's over that we have now in the NFL. Yeah, I, I read some of that, and I'm not quite sure I understand why it needs to be five alternating rounds back and forth. I'm not. So I I'm guess they want to give the team. They want to give the teams an opportunity to both teams get the ball, and it's going to be you know a decisive victory. In other words, you know what I mean. It's not going to be just oh one score and that's it. No, it's it's you get a round and you get another round. You get five rounds to make your mark and to finish finish the you know, the clock. I guess and it runs down and here we have a decisive winner. In other words. Yeah, you know, and I I totally get, you know, making it a little bit long, more long-lasting, making it a decisive victory. Super with that, totally cool with it. Don't think it necessarily has to be five times, maybe three, or maybe even two. That way, each team gets possession with the ball, you know, in overtime or in extra time, whenever they're going to call it. But so they're eliminating five. the replays from New York. So the replays will be initiated by an officiating uh, crew both on site. So instead of somebody out in New York. So they're not going to go to commercial. Oh. There's there's going to be a replay on the field then. Uh, so they're tearing down those useless replay centers in all the major sports that all the leagues have now. And they're going to stick to the just the on-field uh, replay experts basically. You know, they're going to get the same film or whatever, but there will be no challenges, no long-distance phone calls, no headphones, no replay experts. Yeah, so in, in other words, they're just going to make a decision right there on the field. Huh. That's interesting to me. Not so much having the inter- not not so much having the replay on the field, but the fact that they're getting rid of challenges and getting rid of uh, the the long distance connection between replays. That's interesting to me. Yeah. So it's. I mean, they're going the opposite way uh, from what I heard from uh, some of the reports on you know Yahoo and ESPN from Oliver Luck. Uh, they really want to stand out on their own. They don't want to be, you know, a developmental league for the uh, NFL of any sort. They want to be able to stand out by themselves. So they're making changes, right. you know, fan-friendly changes, if you want to th- say it that way, to the point where, you know, they're going the opposite of what the NFL is doing. So kickoff will always be one of the, you know, most exciting plays in football. And apparently, uh, I guess that's not uh, something, you know, that the NFL has gone away. So the XFL um, is going to remo- it's going to modify that, I guess. Uh, they're modifying that where the ball will be kicked off from the 25-yard line. Oh, 
interesting, yet not quite as amusing as I thought it would be. And then receivers will be needing only one foot in bounds, uh, just like uh, just like they do in college, I guess. So that's they're, they're going that's back with cool. that. I feel like the NFL should just go back to the one foot rule itself as well. So inside the helmet, McKenzie, speakers for all position players instead of just the quarterbacks. So everybody will have, I guess, speakers on all position players. And no extra point kicks. Let's eliminate it. No extra points. That's, no, I don't like that. That takes away from the game of football. I do like the I do like, however, having the speakers and mic in in the helmets for all position players. That I can get down so with. No extra point. Eliminating the extra point. Eliminating the extra point. A scoring team can go from one point from the two yard line, two points from the five, or three points from the ten. So we're playing basketball here now, I guess, on the field. You know, basketball mentality. That's interesting. Yeah. You know, one point from the two, two, two points from the five, and three from the ten. So if you got Derek Henry, I guess you want to go for three points. You just send the workhorse to get the job done. Right, exactly. So different rules. Uh, what's your thoughts? you think that's going to work? you think it's going to be an experiment first year? And it's going to be different than the NFL. So they want to, they're really trying to stand out from the NFL. That's the mindset that they have coming into the inaugural season, I guess. Yeah, which I get, you know, you still want to have football year-round type thing, but you also want to differ from, you know, the, I guess, big brother, so to speak. Um, I do think, however, I'm real interested to see how this, this one, two, and three point extra, this one through three point extra point system is going to work. I definitely think it's going to be a trial and error season for for that part alone, um, especially with no challenge, you know, not having challenges and not having the long distance replay. I think it's going to take into, you know, they're going to have to be very, they're going to, I mean, the, the ref system is going to have to be on it, you know, and, and be precise about what they're seeing because they're not, especially if there's not going to be that long distance replay where you can just go back, you know, and, ha- and have the, the, the New York boots decide. It's going to have to be right then and there on the field, just like we talked about. But, you know, if they don't see it your way, you know, if they don't see it the line judge's way, then, you know, they're just going to come up. I feel like they're just going to try to come up with an answer or, you know, a solution that may not have been mainly correct. Um, do you feel it's going to last? That's the question everybody's asking on Twitter, on all social sites. Will the XFL last, or will it be like every other startup league since the late uh, AFL? It won't last. Look at the AAF. didn't really last. So it, the, the feeling is well, out-of-season football AA... never works, and they won't be watching the best in the business, so people might turn off because you're not getting, you know, the best. We've What you've known is the best of the best, like Jackson, Jackson Kittle, McCaffrey. You're going to be getting Johnny Nobody and – Anonymous Jones, basically. And I, I think, 
I think that's the reason why it's going to last is because there's going to be, you know, those scout team players, you know, people are going to be seeing who their teams could pick up. You know, and I think, I think this is the thing that the XFL has over the AAF is in my personal opinion, I don't think the AAF had enough time to be well put together. The XFL on the other hand, you know, they've made, they made their announcement late 2018. They were going, you know, they were going to be a thing in 2020. It took them a little over a year, get everything together. And then their first season starts what here in a couple of weeks. Yep. February. So, it'll be a major network. Yeah, so you also have to think, you also have to take into consideration who was running each, you know, who, you know, the, the president and CEO of the XFL versus who it was for the AAS. Um, you kind of have to right. do pros and cons of each. But I think just for that reason alone, seeing what kind of, you know, what kind of talent, you know, you know, those undrafted players, you know, what kind of playing time they may get or, you know, people that, you know, players that are, you know, almost almost ready to be signed on a contract, but, you know, still need fine-tuning. I think – I actually think the XFL is going to do that for them. It's going to – I think it's going to propel them into the NFL or at least get them a look. All right. So we're going to go into uh, women's football mode starting February and March because that's what's happening. So the w- WNFC 2020 schedule is out. Um, the WFA schedule was released today. Um, there's a lot of uh, opportunity for us to dive in into what ifs and everything else. The Division One uh, tier is eight. The Division Two and WFA 16. Division Three is 37 teams. Uh, we're not going to dive in Division Three at all because we normally don't dive into Division Three until like week five or week six because just so many teams and then by week six we already pretty much can tell who's the cream of the crop in d3 and then we can start conversations but we will dive into d1 and d2 because there was some d3s that were upgraded to d2 and so it's going to be interesting the nevada champion d3 champions nevada storm the sin city trojans got bumped up the runners uh you know walk a playoff runners up um, so there's a lot of changes in the WFA basically for 2020. So Mac, uh, you know, division one's going to be interesting. St. Louis and Minnesota, uh, will be facing each other. And on top of that, St. Louis will be facing Boston, I believe on the last week of the season. So uh, interesting matchups in D one. Yeah. I, when I saw that Minnesota and St. Louis both, were moved up to D1. I wasn't, I'm not going to say I wasn't shocked because I was just for the plain fact that I didn't see it coming. Although I feel like I should have saw it coming because both of their teams are stacked. <clears throat> With that being said, I don't think, I do not think either one of them are going to have a problem. To be honest, they, I mean, they fit in right, they fit, they literally fit right into D1. Their Their play, their roster size is just, and that's just a thing. I mean, I don't know. The drive, you know, I don't know the how drive for Clyde McKenzie has started in St. Louis. So you know they're real. And they want to crack, they want to crack oh, yeah. at the champ. The D1 champs, I mean, they, they put it on their schedule. Uh, they get a crack at them at, you know, what, week, almost the last week of the season. Uh, we won't know where they stand at that point, but more than likely they're going to be playoff 
bound. So what a big test for them last week of the season to match up against probably somebody they're going to they're going to compete against for the big prize. Yeah. Um, it, it, I mean, I mean, you're absolutely right. I mean, there's, I can't add anything or take anything from exactly what you said because that's, that's literally spot on it right there. Uh, I will, however, say that I do think the D1 teams that have been in D1 will be put on notice. That, and that's not saying that they're not good enough. That's not saying that they don't have talent enough or anything. I'm just saying that you now have two other powerhouses just like all the other ones that have been in D1 added to your division. Yeah, it's going to be an interesting, uh, interesting season for D1 because Cali War is the only beef I would have on the schedule. They're a loner out there in the Pacific. They're only going to play D3 and D2. Their road to the playoffs is going to be pretty easy. Uh, and I know it's not easy to play all those teams, and I'm not mocking the other teams, but what I'm saying is it's a pretty easy road to arrive there. Well, on the East Coast, you got Boston, D.C., and Pittsburgh going to battle it out somewhat, especially with some competitive D2 teams. And then on the schedule for the other teams uh, in the Midwest, in the Texas swing, they're all going to be duking it out in the Texas swing pretty much the whole year. So, um, Lisa King, if anything, uh, I mean, there's got to be another, you know, two teams on the West that can be elevated to D D1. Maybe the Sirens coming back this year, and maybe next year they get elevated to D1. But just having Cali War or the Lonely Pacific doesn't make sense. Yeah, I'm not quite sure what you know. I'm not quite sure what the motive is around that. You know, I'm sure there's some there's some reason. Whatever that reason is, we may never know, which is fine. Sometimes it's good to be the lone, you know, the lone D1 team in SoCal, or you know on the west side. That's just it is what it is, you know. I there and if, if they're, anything, they're not you know. If anything, Mackenzie, I guess that that's a challenge for all the teams on the West Coast. Can they beat a big dog? It would be the other mentality, exactly. right? Can they beat a big dog? Can they upset a big dog in the in season? We almost had that done with uh Nevada, remember? Nevada almost upset Oh uh, Cali War, remember, last year. So there's opportunity for those teams to to kind of like make a mark in the season, I guess, against Cali War. Yeah, it's going to be uh, it, 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 this season a football across the board. It don't matter what what women's league or country or continent you're on. It's going to be crazy for sure. 2020 is literally going to explode. And I said that last year, but I I more or less believe it now more than ever. Oh, no, we, we are going to be covering wall-to-wall. You got, uh, you know, kickoff is, is coming up in February. All the tech, uh, two Texas leagues going to start off. X, uh, S, uh, the XFFL is going to kick off as well in February. Um, Gridiron Victoria kicks off in February. We got the U.S. leagues kicking off in April. We got um, international European action starting in you know, in the middle of April to June, you got May, you got the Canada WWCFL. So you know where you're at, right? You're listening to the best podcast that covers women's American football globally. And this is it where you're at. So you're not going to miss anything. No, that's not a chance of that happening. Not with salty on it. Absolutely not. Not how we roll Oscar. We're here. Nope. 
Especially no, we're at the here hub. For real. If you don't go to the hub, then you're missing out. Yeah, you got to go to the hub. Go to the hub every week because everything's going on. So, but we're going to cover wall to wall like we do every year, you know, from Europe to uh, North America to the little island of Guam to Australia and now South America as well. Uh, so wall to wall, we're going to cover everything women's American football. So this is your podcast to listen to, and this is where we show up every Tuesday to talk football and women's American football as well. Um, Mackenzie, the the schedule for WNFC will come, uh, came out already, so we'll dive into that too starting the next couple weeks, and then we'll obviously dive in more extensively per team, try to dive in and get some, you know, some bits and stuff as to, you know, who's going to be the front runner, especially in the WNFC. Uh, we, I, I got to break down WNFC, I think, in three parts because you have the top tier, the middle the middle teams, and then obviously the bottom feeding teams, and we're going to see exactly who's going to elevate their game in 2020 in terms of, you know, who gets to that middle stage or who gets to that higher stage uh, to compete with, you know, the Utahs and the Texas Elite Spartans in that sense. Uh, so we got a lot to talk about in the next uh, 60 days as we get ready for the U.S. season in both the WNFC and the and the uh, WFA. So don't text me or send me a message and tell me that I got to talk about every every league uh, in in the country. No, uh, we're going to be talking about the two top leagues because they're the ones that are making headway. And on sometimes on sidebars, we will talk about all the other uh, leagues as well. So, but our focus is really on the top two uh, top two leagues. And that's what we want to focus on to get attention and awareness to the sport. And that's what we do. So I know everybody wants us to cover all leagues and which we do, but we're, you know, we don't cover them every week. So we, we try to cover them as things show up or news comes up. So I just want to be clear with everybody that our focus is really going to be on a global scale because we have relationships with other leagues as well that spring up. But in the U S primarily, we are basically going to be covering WFA and WNFC exclusively. So I um, just want to be clear on that. So just get get it out there now. Exactly. You know, we're, we are an equal opportunity, social networking, podcasting, hub having team of gurus and experts here on Gridiron Blitz podcast. Okay. And if anybody has a problem, please hit my inbox. But honestly, on a, on a real note, you know, we're not here to discriminate against any other league or anything like that. We just want to focus on the ones that are making the huge headways. You know, like and like Oscar said, it's the WNFC and the WFA right now, as far as the U.S. is concerned. All right. So we won't know, Mackenzie, breakout news today. So we'll talk about it here for a couple minutes. WFLA uh, ownership company, She Beverage Company, announces today that they filed their S1 filing with NASDAQ. Uh, they're going to get a ticker symbol of SHIB. So this is the company that is going to be driving the funds for the promise uh, for 2020 to pay uh, women to play American football. Their initial uh, announcement was 32 teams nationwide. So far, we've only seen about three teams. Um, they're funded by SHIB Beverage Company. They're supported and, uh, you know, by jaw rule. And so they're going to be doing a celebrity flag tournament February 1st, which is the day before the Super Bowl. Um, and this could be in Miami. Details at the hub at facebook.com forward slash Gridiron Beauties. 
So, uh, Mackenzie, a big deal here kind of starting, and then they're going to have exhibition season starting, I believe, in, in April all the way down to August to see and get the feel of that. A lot of former LFL players and athletes are going to be in the WFLA. A lot of WFA players are going to be participating in the WFLA exhibition season. So, um, you know, it's, it's one of these things where if the IPO, as an example, rides, most of the funding comes from that, they're able to fund that to the WFLA. So it looks like, you know, the business model could be that profitable and we could get women paid. You know, and I'm not going to sit here and lie or pretend that I'm not slightly, almost highly interested to see how this works out because I am. Um, and mama taught me not to lie. So I'm not going to do that. What I will state, however, is I think at this point, the closest thing to having women fully paid to play would be the WNFC as far as how they run things or how I've been told that they run or how I've, you know, found my research. So, and they're already, they're already, like, they've already had their inaugural season. They're already an established league. So, They've had their season. They've had their championship. Now they're going on to season season two. Season two, yes, season two. Um, so for for the believability for the WNFC now, it's, it's that's a thing. Like everybody knows, that's how that's what the WNFC does. Now that the the WFLA is about to make their their start to a season, it's gonna be this. It's gonna kind of gonna be the same thing that you know, the same questions that the WNFC had as far as, as you know, the downers and naysayers. And, you know, and a lot of us are going to be that until we see the, 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 the tangible, I guess, the tangibility or what could be the, the you know, the whereabouts of the, tang- the tangible effects the of exhi- being a paper. Max, I think the exhibition season will tell us a lot about structure, functionality, true football, is it going to be business money? You know, I mean, there's a lot of questions we have, and a lot of people have come on to ask questions on their official sites, and a lot of people, uh, you know, have put it out there. Even Burmy was kind of backlash, you know, thinking that he's a hater. And we're not haters. It's just we're just unclear of some things that obviously need to, need to happen because we're so traditionalist that we haven't seen anything different. So the opportunity is going to be for them to show us during the exhibition games as to how true this will be and if women are going to get paid during the exhibition season. So we still have a lot of questions that are not answered. I've invited uh, and sent out an email to uh, Lupe Rose, which is the uh, CEO of She Beverage Company, and she's not responded to me. I've sent out an email to the commissioner of the, you know, WFLA, and they don't want to come on to the show because they haven't responded and set up a time and date for me. Um, So at this point, you know, I'm not going to say this is going to be uh, something that's going to fail, but at the same time, based on traditional background and information that we've had in the past with w- women's football, if this is going to be totally different, then, you know, that's the reason we have a lot of questions. You know, the reason that all the players are kind of have, you know, it's a promise at this point until they get up and running or physically have a league run, just like the WFA or the WNFC. Um, so at this point, it's wait and see for us, and that's what I've been doing. Just wait and see. And so the announcement today for me tells me that 
their major funding is a promising note for all the players that apparently were supposed to get a big contract. If I'm wrong, you know, have somebody from the WFLA come on here and correct me. Uh, other than that, you know, it's going to be a ticker symbol, SHIB. Uh, if the IPO rides, obviously that's going to be benefiting the SHIB Beverage Company, which owns the WFLA. Yeah, it, 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 and, and like I said, nothing, you know, I, I, you know, after watching and following the WNSC last season, I'm definitely a fan of the WNSC. Um, and like I said, it's going to be the same, it's going to be the same pattern of, if, you know, what ifs and doubts that the, that the WNFC has. But like I said, with, with the WNFC, they, they prove their point. Like, this is how we do things, like, we're here. We're not going anywhere, you know. And, and they were in the the thing with the WNFC as far as leadership and ownership is OJ has had zero problem clearing things up and has had zero problem, you know, stating what you know what what the mission is of the WNFC. So as far as as far as that's concerned. That, like like I said, like I said, we have seen the tangibility of of a of, of a, a WNFC season. I mean, and and maybe I'm a little maybe I'm I'm being a little biased because we you know we haven't had we have not we have yet to see the you know exhibition inaugural season of the WFLA. So um, you know I guess it's all about being patient and you know giving allowing that time for. I- I just, don't, just think that uh, given their structure, uh, if they do come up with some major funding based on the IPO, I can see that being successful. It's just a matter of whether that's going to be something that they got to fund. It's a lot of money to fund 32 teams across the nation. You know what I mean? So it seems unrealistic in, in that sense when you start looking at dollars and cents. But if she can do it, and she said she was, she's, that's her goal, is to, you know, pay the players. And so that's her goal, and that's what she said, stated all along. So at this point, like I said, if they have a successful exhibition season, then it's only going to prove to us that they're suited and ready for the 2020 launch of the inaugural season. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, I can't, I can't disagree with you. Like I said, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm taking absolutely nothing away from the ultimate goal at hand. I've been playing this sport for going on 10 seasons now. Mm-hmm. And the, the, the thing, I mean, that would literally be, you know, the, the thing to me would be to essentially get played, get paid to, you know, partake in my passion, just like, you know, mm-hmm. an NFL player or a WNBA player or, you know, and, you know, any, any other fully paid athlete of any kind on a pro, on a pro scale. So that would, you know, yeah. obviously that would be the ultimate goal. So, I like I said, I'm not taking anything away from them. It's just for us again with having, you know, going with the same, having the same experience with the WNFC, you know, inaugural season, having to wait for that to happen, and then it's happening, and now we can't say that's not been a thing because it's a thing. It's, and like I said, it's pretty much the same waiting game with with the the, the WFLA, and that's not bad. It's right. just really wait, you know, really waiting to see. And when it happens. So hashtag not a hater. We just got questions. So exactly. that's what we'll go with. No. Yep. Not a hater. All right. Um, so uh, January 25th, uh, third season of the XFL 
uh, XFFL in Texas preseason dives in. You can go to the hub, get the uh, lowdown on the schedule there. A lot of games to be played this weekend, and then their third season launches in February. So we'll be keeping tabs on them as well. Uh, IWFA as well, Premier League coming up here in another a couple weeks. We'll have Terrence Haywood talking about that. And I want to thank Steph McCormick for coming in, kind of voicing her concerns about, you know, what the LFL has done in the past and what it continues to do and why it needs to be changed. And, and then she's going to be launching her Say It With Your Chest podcast coming up here uh, in February as well. So thanks to her to come in here and Holly Custis for diving into the NFL uh, divisional rounds and giving us our predictions for this coming weekend for Championship Sunday. So a lot of things to happen uh, this coming weekend, and we'll be talking about who's going to go to the Super Bowl this next week. We're going to talk about, uh, in general, women's American football as we launch into March and um, February and March as we get ready for the WFA and the WNFC 2020 season. So a lot of things happening every week. Go to the hub at facebook.com forward slash Radar Beauties. Check it out. Go up to the Zazzle site, the Nojo Football Shop, 20% off at Zazzle.com forward slash Gridiron Beauties. You get it there. Zazzle's been our sponsor for six years. This is why we are on the podcast. Um, they're the ones that pay for the podcast to bring awareness to women's American football. So let's support our sponsor. Go to Zazzle.com forward slash Gridiron Beauties. Get a no-joke football shirt of your liking and save up to 20% off. If you want to save on shipping, it's $9.99. Just subscribe to $9.99. It's pretty easy, 10 bucks, and it's free shipping for 12 months. So you get the benefit of that as well. So, Mackenzie, that's it. Big show, 304 uh, 2020, officially on Spotify. Uh, just totally excited this week, just when I got the news. So, I'm still tickled pink in Spotify, iHeart, Apple Podcasts, Google Cast, and on TuneIn. So, pretty awesome. You know, Oscar, we are global, like real life. We are all over. Wake We're up, all over. You the are salty global. one is global. We are now in. We are now in like all continents. We are our penetration is all continents now. We're we're we are being heard in Australia, Europe, uh, South America, and uh, totally in North America. I mean, big time. So uh, thanks to everybody for sharing, liking, and listening to our podcast because it makes it happen for all of us. And like I said earlier on my post on Facebook. If it wasn't for you and every other co-host that's passionate about bringing awareness to women's American football, we wouldn't be here. And we are here because we are passionate, and this is the platform. And thanks to everybody for uh, supporting us all these years. Yes, a big shout out to really, other you know, other than us that you know we we do the podcast, we help host the podcast. But it's really if we didn't have Zazzle and the fans and followers of Gridiron Blitz. We would not be a thing. So big shout out to y'all. Like, you know, we're global now because of you guys. We're global now because Zazzle has supported us for six plus years, and you know, we're just forever thankful. Like, without the without the group, and without the fans, and without the followers, and other passionate people about getting awareness to women's football, we would not be a thing. We global because of y'all. Give y'all a round of applause. Okay, because I am right now. You just can't hear it. No, we're we're good. And I, you know what? I got I got the call from everybody. I got some messages from everybody. I really appreciate you guys uh, sending me messages and stuff. So we will be back next week talking about uh, women's American football as well as we prepare for the WFA and WNFC 2020 seasons. 
as well as talking about the Super Bowl. Who's going to be in the Super Bowl and kind of breaking that down and the excitement of XFL in February. So a lot of football to talk about. So for Mackenzie Brooks, Oscar Lopez, the option Holly Custis, Troy Wilson, and Louise Bean, you're listening to the best podcast on the planet, Talking Women's American Football, and that's it. Great on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and iHeart. Have a great night, everybody. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.